We are very fortunate today to be joined by Mostafa Terab, Chairman and CEO of OCP. OCP is not necessarily a household name, so in a nutshell, a century-old company with 18,000 employees, about $11 billion in revenues and $5 billion in EBITDA, hails from Morocco, but active globally, the business's fertilizers, and particularly phosphate-based fertilizers. OCP is a major actor in this activity, including because it controls 70% of the world's phosphate reserves. And last but not least, OCP's activities represent about 5% of Morocco's GDP and about 20% of the country's exports. Mustafa, is this a fair high-level summary? Yes, this sounds... Uh... But the main uh, figures are there, but I, th what I like is the century-old company. This is uh, lo long-term is important for us. Okay, so you're going to tell us more, obviously, over the next few minutes. Then at a personal level, Mustafa became OCP's chairman and CEO in 2008, which means 15 years ago. Before that, you had three very different lives. Uh, so born and raised in Morocco, the first life involved a lot of education, graduating in engineering from one of France's oldest and most prestigious schools, the École Nationale des Ponts et Chaussées, then receiving a master's degree and a PhD in operations research from MIT in Boston, and then providing education for two years as a professor at the Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute. So that was life one. Life two, returned to Morocco in 1992, to serve in the King's Royal Cabinet as Chargé de Mission, and then over the next 10 years, increasingly senior roles to support the development of Morocco, including the reform of the telecoms industry. This leads to the third life. In 2002, you returned to the US to join the World Bank, where for four years, you led the InfoDev, Information for Development program, focusing on the liberalization of the telecoms industry. And now, your fourth life, joining OCP Group first in 2006 as Director General, and in 2008 being appointed Chairman and CEO, which marks the start of a very ambitious 20-year transformation program, which obviously we're going to discuss together. Between 2019 and 2021, you were also President of the International Fertilizer Association. Mustafa, a warm welcome to you, and thank you for making the time to be with us today. Thank you. It's good to be with you, Jean-François. I've already mentioned that OCP is a major actor in the world of fertilizer, but I think for our audience, it would really help if you tell us a little bit more about the basics of fertilizers. What do they do, and why are they so important for all of us? Well, thank you again, Jean-François, for the opportunity to explain what we're doing and the, the, the significance of fertilizer, which I have to confess, I was myself surprised to hear those, uh, to, to, to learn those things when I got to OCP. I, uh, I didn't know the, uh, really fully grasp the role of fertilizer in food security, but a couple of facts that are not usually uh, well known generally is the, the fertilizer accounts for about 50% of food production. That's a positive way to view it. The other way is that without fertilizer, we could only feed half the, the world population. So they play a critical role in plant and soil health 
not only the quality but also the the productivity of the uh, arable land that we we use to feed ourselves there are different types of fertilizers i mentioned you guys do phosphate based please tell us about about uh, phosphate versus uh, nitrogen versus potassium because i think it's 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 useful for us to know that yes absolutely uh, well think of fertilizers as vitamins for 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 the soil and the plant and we usually need multivitamins the three main nutrients that go into fertilizer are those that you mentioned so nitrogen uh, phosphate and potash but keep in mind also that there are other so-called micronutrients that are also essential for soil health and plant uh, health and that ranges from zinc borum and and many other micronutrients that we do uh, also add to our fertilizer mix so they're usually called npks nitrogen phosphate and k for potash but they usually other uh, initials zinc and the z and the nb etc so it is really multi- the best way to think of it is multivitamin formulas if you like now the world's use of fertilizers is very uneven it's much more intensive in developed economies and as i was preparing for this discussion it struck me that this creates a little bit of a vicious circle because farmers in developing economies don't necessarily have enough money to buy a lot of fertilizers and and so there's they they they're going to get weaker crops and weaker productivity which means they have less money so, so is it indeed a bit of a vicious circle uh, absolutely so if you think that uh, the so-called green revolutions mainly in uh, developing and emerging countries governments had to uh, put in place policies to get out of that v- vicious circle because by definition this the small landholder does not have the the means to buy fertilizer even though fertilizers will increase significantly productivity and thereby improve the li- livelihood of those farmers so usually uh, if you think of india brazil and other countries that have embarked on the green revolution fertilizer policies and making fertilizers affordable for the farmer initially either through subsidies and other schemes was key to uh, to to break that vicious circle okay now this is a particularly acute problem in africa um which of course is a problem for africa's farmers and and inhabitants but also for the world again i remember from a previous conversation we had I, I said improving the productivity of agriculture in Africa, of course, is very important for Africa. And you said, yes, it is. Uh, but you also said, Jean-François, you need to understand that productivity of agriculture in Africa is important for the world. I think this is something that many of us just never thought about. Can you please help, help us understand why? Yes, absolutely. It's counterintuitive, but we we should change our mindset very quickly. Let me just to uh, give you again a few uh, figures arable land per capita globally worldwide is decreasing because of population growth but mainly also because of the available unused arable land uh, is disappearing uh, worldwide except in africa where 60% of the world's unused arable land lies in the in the african continent so 
it's massive. And if you think of it that way, then you realize that we have to find ways to make Africa actually contribute positively to global food security. In the meantime, we have to also contribute to solve uh, Africans' food security uh, itself. But, you know, sooner or later, we will have to realize that our mindset about Africa has to shift. Uh, Africa will be part of the solution for global food security. Now, last basic question on, on the world of fertilizers. Fertilizers are helping agricultural productivity, clear. They also create significant environmental hazards, both while being produced and then when used. Please tell us a bit more about both sets of challenges. Of course. So, you know, we, we as a company, we think of them as uh, many other companies in terms of, for example, uh, net zero in terms of scope one and two, which, which is how do we uh, make sure our own production system contributes positively and not negatively to the environment. Uh, and that's, you know, mining activities uh, and fertilizer production activities are naturally resource intensive, uh, use uh, fossil fuels and other and emit CO2s and other uh, gases. For us at OCP, this is not, this is, we see it as an opportunity because using, uh, for example, uh, renewable energies, uh, producing our own water from these renewable energies through desalination and other technologies is not only a way to green our production uh, and, and, and really uh, be net zero. You know, we've committed as a company to be, be net zero before 2030. But it's also an opportunity because these energies are much cheaper for us than, for example, the energy we buy from the grid uh, that, that are fossil uh, fuel-based. So there are major opportunities because of technologies, renewable uh, possibilities to really handle the production side of things. On the so-called scope three, on the, on the agriculture side of things, there are also uh, opportunities. The, the environmental damage that can come from fertilizer comes from overuse of fertilizer. So when you cannot adapt the fertilizer, the, the mix of nutrients, if you recall where we started with the NPK mix, if you are f f use, using just the standard formula, multivitamin formula, if you like, you're bound to apply nutrients that are not fully absorbed by the soil and the plant. And then they, this is where uh, the leaching the, in the water table uh, and in the atmosphere becomes a problem, an environmental problem. Again, the opportunity there for us is that we are committed to customize fertilizer. So, uh, and technologies allow us to do now in terms of doing soil fertility maps, in other words, making specific formulas, fertilizer formulas, for uh, specific soils and crops, and, and, and only uh, encouraging the farmer to use just the right amount of nutrients. That has two uh, or three very positive impacts. One is that they are cheaper uh, fertilizers, and thinking of the vicious circle you mentioned, Jean-Francois, early on, in Africa, the fertilizers we sell are much cheaper than the standard fertilizer because they contain less nutrients. 
Okay. They also avoid environmental damage because we ensure that the nutrients are fully absorbed by the soil and the plant who needs them and don't go in the in the water table. And they have higher productivity, counterintuitively, because uh, when you're applying the right fertilizer at the right time, uh, we, the, the fertilizer industry, IFA, that you mentioned, the International Fertilizer Association is uh, promoting the 4R uh, techniques, which is the right fertilizer for the right soil at the right rate, etc. That, that, that is also uh, much better for plant and soil health uh, and increases productivity. So there are massive opportunities for the fertilizer sector to become very quickly a, 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 you know, a positive contributor to, 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 to the environment um, through these, uh, uh, through these, um, throughout the, the supply chain. Now, over the last few years, OCP has been able to uh, develop uh, this leading position and to translate this leading position into very successful financial results. Revenues and profits have grown very significantly uh, during your tenure, and, and there are multiple causes. Now, some of these causes are, I, I think, systemic tailwinds, right? This has been I think by and large a growing industry in part because the world needs to feed more and more people. So please tell us about the underlying market dynamic. Well, again, the, the underlying, you know, we view the, the market as really uh, the food security. It's the global food production chain. And, um, uh, and the fact that we, our footprint is now beyond just the raw material, the phosphate that's used to to produce uh, fertilizer is only natural because going downstream to the fertilizer, you're all, you know, fertilizer is just a service to the farmer. And the farmer, particularly in Africa, but also in other regions, need other services. When you're providing access to fertilizer, it, it's a pity not to use the same channels to provide other, uh, other inputs or advice or even financing, uh, microfinancing in Africa, crop insurance and things like this that improve. So the other, you know, we, we view this as a holistic, you know, with a holistic approach to things. You know, the, the, it's our interest that the farmer in Africa clearly comes out of poverty but gets richer. They deserve it, you know, in terms of uh, their own access to um, markets downstream once they've produced. The, 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 the crops are produced, etc. the farmers need to have access to downstream markets, if only to have some degree of say in the prices of their products. Uh, we consider it as fair that a farmer has some say to, 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 in terms of pricing their, their own products. And that's, um, uh, that can only happen if we think of it as a, with a systemic mindset and a holistic mindset. But the broader market there, if we think in terms of market, is trillions of dollars. If you know, this is the food, this is the agriculture and food the supply chain. It's uh, probably close to five trillion dollars today, and and will only increase because of population growth. You know, in 2050, we will need to produce 70 percent more food than we produce today. So that gives you the rate of growth uh, that, that, that we're looking at. 
clearly one of the reasons also why OCP has been so successful over the last few years, uh, including an EBITDA margin that tends to be significantly higher than many of your competitors, is indeed the company's transformation and the move downstream. So you've already mentioned it. Uh, you've mentioned it as if it was you know, uh, uh, almost a simple thing, but going from exporting rock to uh, making products and, and increasingly to making very sophisticated products and then adding services must have been a complex journey. So please tell us some of the key milestones and some of the key decisions that were involved in this, in this transformation. The first, uh, I would say, key decision was almost forced on us. I would almost joke by saying that uh, given the situation the company was in in 2006, it was a loss-making uh, company with ne negative... It actually, it wasn't a company. It was a parastatal uh, that had a balance sheet, but it had negative equity in the balance sheet because it had... You know, it, its core business was phosphate rock. You know, the prices of that... Uh, raw material had remained stable, stable in uh, nominal terms for uh, three decades. So we, we were losing money every year and, and had a, uh, a very uh, negative equity in our balance sheet. So there was a burning platform. If you're thinking in terms of change management and transition, we were lucky that there was a burning platform. We, we had to get out of that situation. So the, the first challenge was where to go. And clearly, that was a no-brainer. There were higher margins in the finished product in fertilizer. We decided to uh, allocate some of, of the phosphate rock to fertilizer production. And indeed, this is we think of this our, as our first S-curve, was to become uh, a player in the downstream market, in the fertilizer market. Uh, and indeed, this is what has paid off. But in terms of change, Management in terms of uh, managing a, a difficult transition, again, uh, I consider we were lucky to have a burning platform because that allowed the, us to not just to convince, but actually to, to bring enthusiasm within the company in terms of that change uh, process. And so one aspect was to make it a company, separate, uh, a separate entity. And, and for that, you also brought in a, a small minority shareholder, uh, a bank. Um, and, and then there were also massive investments, right? Because this required the different set of, of equipment and also capabilities. Yeah. So it, it was kind of a classic story. So we, we were a parastatal. Uh, in 2006, uh, I described the situation. We decided, we first said, what should be, what should our strategy be? So going downstream again was a no-brainer, but we obviously needed to invest, and we ended up investing massively, about nine, $8 billion in fertilizer production capabilities, but uh, it required uh, first to change our status, legal status to that of a corporation, then look at uh, raising, uh, first doing a, an inaugural bond issue on the international market, uh, which we did um, a few years later, very successful, $3 billion. But also initially we needed an investor that would believe 
uh, in that story and the strategy we were embarking on. And that was a local bank, uh, was a mutual bank uh, that said, I buy the story, I'm going to put the initial equity, uh, which was about $1.5 million, uh, to help you get a balance sheet that at least you can present to the bondholders. Uh, and, that's, and that's exactly the financing story. Uh, then we started um, uh, uh, building those fertilizer factories uh, and things got better. Uh, we retained earnings, also played a key in our financing and, uh, and um, until we got approximately an 8 million ton uh, fertilizer production capability. At that time, we could uh, breathe a little bit. Now, a key component of this transformation has been the focus on R&D and innovation, uh, which is obviously not a given in an organization that was previously uh, largely a basic mining company. So how did you go about developing this innovation capability? Well, first, it's a, it's a human story. It, it's, it is creating an innovation mindset. And this is where we were also lucky you know the the main asset in innovation and r and d is human it's not it's not the the technology et cetera there is a global market for technologies but you you need to create an appetite for uh, innovation et cetera and this is where I was very lucky my first visit to the mine at o c p uh, i I will never forget because the, the you know one of the blue collar worker there a miner Imagine this is the first visit, and I had all the the the, the vice presidents and, and and CXOs with me, trying to explain to me how these seventy percent of world reserves of phosphate were a huge opportunity, and this is really the 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 the, the, the we were custodian of this wonderful wealth, uh, etc. Which, by the way, in my mind, didn't really sink. I mean, we I had just looked at the as a newcomer at the financials, and, and um, there was this contradiction between the, 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 the wealth, so-called so wealth, and, and, and the financials. But nevertheless, that miner uh, told me, I am sure that they are tell telling you wonderful stories about that wealth that we have, which is the mining reserves. And I said, you're right. They're very proud. You know, our, my colleagues seem to be very proud of this. And he said, well, you have a choice, a basic choice. Either you believe them and we're going to go to bankruptcy or you understand that our real wealth is human capital, then we will succeed together. And I never forgot that. And this was really that particular moment stay, is still with me and guides everything we do at OCP. So when we think of innovation, and R&D, it is indeed intellectual, but in a way, it starts with human capital. It starts with uh, choosing collaborators that have that mindset, that are hungry for innovation, that, that want to take risks and create the right framework for them. So it started with a learning journey before even the R&D journey, if you like.
And, and you say it, it starts with creating an environment where they want to contribute and innovate. Uh, now, one aspect of, of, of the environment that you've tried to create, I think, is a very purpose-based and a very um, stakeholder, stakeholder approach uh, to, to the activities of the company. Am I right? Yes, absolutely. I mean, how, how do you create that appetite? So beyond the beyond that, uh, you know, those phosphate reserves, uh, that, that's not going to excite many people unless uh, there is a greater purpose. Uh, you are capable to co-produce uh, uh, some kind of greater purpose. In our case, it's clear what it is. It, it is uh, bringing life to soils because phosphate has this special role in terms of soil health is it's really key to soil health uh, as a nutrient for the soil. It helps build the organic uh, matter in the soil. And more importantly, it's really the, the vitamin for the roots of the plant, which themselves play a key role in soil health. And so, you know, our greater purpose is to make sure that the soils are, uh, are healthy, that uh, we bring life to the soil, so to speak, so that the, the soils can feed us in, in return. So, in fr you know, that's the first thing, is you, you, you need to uh, that a greater purpose that can excite uh, people uh, and excite collaborators. So that's the first thing. The other, the other part, and that's part of the environment, we view it as... Um, as almost this magnetic field that everybody uh, is uh, embedded in and that guides their thinking and their action. And once you trust that that magnetic field is there, that that greater purpose is the guide, guiding light or the North Star, if you like, for everybody, then you can free up, you, you can do away with all, most of the, I would call them the bureaucratic or command and control type of uh, of systems because you know they're guided. You know they, they, they have, they look at the same North Star. And that's why that allowed us to, to free up uh, people, uh, allow them to take risks, providing safe spaces here and there. That's what we call that OCP, the movement. The movement was was an invitation for anybody who wanted to contribute to R&D, exploration, looking at new ideas, contributing to change, uh, that, that they can do that, they can self-organize. Uh, there were a few rules, you know, that um, you had to create groups, you had to use an advice process uh, before uh, embarking on a journey that you, ne you needed to have some kind of uh, advice process, uh, and then, um, uh, and that that has created this environment. Both the the, the magnetic field, the north star, the greater purpose, uh, but also the freedom of uh, of movement, so to speak. Okay. What surprised us, and is worth noting, is those who who thought of this movement. Uh, we thought of it mainly as a headquarter white-collar phenomenon. This was a way to get the younger recruits. Uh, I forgot to say that during the transition, we massively recruited because 
uh, we had about 10,000 people going on retirement from the company, uh, not voluntary. I mean, it, it was, they reach retirement age. So we massively recruited. So average age at OCP went from 47 at the time to 35. It was not uh, looking very kindly at the command and control and very strict bureaucratic uh, system that was in place. Uh, and I frankly, uh, with many others, thought this was a way to free up things at headquarters with these younger white-colored people. What surprised us is the movement took a, a huge, uh, a, you know, impetus and dynamic at the blue-collar works, at the miner, at the mining sites, for example. With miners saying, "Oh, now you understand that human capital is important. Let us show you how we should do things on our own here." So, uh, what happened in the mining and the production uh, factories was amazing was a group of blue-collar workers taking command, saying, this is how we should do maintenance, not the way you tell us, and massive increase in productivity um, due to that uh, movement. So uh, that was something that surprised me, uh, I have to confess. One of the things that strikes me is that you've said already a few times, we were lucky, we were lucky. But when you say we were lucky, generally it was we were lucky that this bad thing was happening. So I'm also, I'm also I think, learning that one of the key insights is, is basically we had a situation and we made the most of it and we tried to do it with a certain amount of joy and enthusiasm. Is, is that, a fair, is that a, fair, a fair way of characterizing this? Yes, I mean, it, you know, it's almost... Uh... You're right. Again, it's a matter of mindset. I'm not going to go into philosophical arguments about whether a, a crisis is an opportunity or not, or it's really how you view things that are happening to you uh, and that we have a responsibility to view them, to try to make the best out of a situation. One of our core values at the company, uh, and I, I'm saying values because this is what uh, what's used in the literature, but really we think of it as a belief. We have two core beliefs. One of them is we call Nia, and Nia is the force of sincerity of intent. So it is sincerity of intent, but it's also the belief that that sincerity of intent brings a force that is unstoppable. So it's really a belief in that uh, that force that comes from Having an intent, in our case, it's the greater purpose I mentioned, you know, uh, and how you can decompose that into specific uh, objectives, but to be completely sincere vis-a-vis -vis that intent. And if you're losing that, if you're using that lens to view events, you're always viewing them positively as an opportunity to do to do something, uh, etc. Again, lack of ecosystem wonderful opportunity to, to build an ecosystem. The prices of fuel -based, uh, fossil fuel-based energy being so high, wonderful opportunity, not just to use renewable, but to substitute our import for, of, uh, of, uh, of ammonia with green, producing our own green ammonia. But it, it comes from this value system, or I would say almost belief system. Uh, once you have a common belief, 
uh, and I mentioned the sincerity, the force of sincerity of intent, uh, the energy that comes out of this is almost, um, and the positivity, the, 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 not just the positive mindset or the growth mindset, but almost a strategic mindset, if you like. Now, one last aspect uh, uh, on, on the human side of the transformation is a considerable focus that you have put on learning. You've been, over the years, strongly encouraging individuals and, of course, groups uh, and, and teams to continue to learn, to invest time in learning. And, and you've made significant financial also investments. Tell us about the, why this is so important in your mind. Really, I mean, it came from this massive mental shock that I mentioned when the blue-collar worker told me, you know, it's, it's, you, you have, you know, to use this expression, you have, a, you have a fork in the road in front of you. Either you take the, 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 wrong, the wrong part and we will all fail, or you go on the right direction. And the right direction is considering that our wealth is, is, is us, is, is the human capital, but it's really us, it's us human beings. And we have to take care of that. Our first mission, our first responsibility is to be the right custodians of that wealth. And that spells learning. That spells a, a, a personal growth mindset that spells being able to uh, develop yourself in a way that is coherent with the greater purpose. So uh, not hesitating in terms of uh, reskilling uh, yourself, uh, thinking about what you're doing. It's really, a, it's less about the physical part of learning or the, 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 the technical part of learning but more about having a learning mindset, a growth mindset. And so we offered massive opportunities for everybody to, who wants to, to embark into, to have these learning opportunities as they're uh, progressing. And uh, as, as you know, since uh, you know, IMD is a big part of that, one of our main programs is uh, what we call the Beyond pro Program which is inviting uh, collaborators and uh, colleagues uh, to embark on journeys where, uh, you know, one third of their time is on exploitation, on, on running the business. One third is on exploration that can be done either through the movement or uh, different means, and one third on learning. And, and we've built together, uh, Jean-Francois, as you know, this, this, this program, on the learning side of things, and uh, thanks to uh, IMD, this was it really makes a difference that that learning opportunity, which can go up to half for one third of the time of anybody who wants to. By the way, please tell us what what's what's ahead. So, how do you think of this next stage of transformation, which, by the way, includes a very bold um, green investment program, a plan d'investissement vert. So, so. Tell us about this next phase. The next phase is really uh, came out of having an open mind uh, and continuing exploring things, uh, and uh, and something emerged as we were moving into the fertilizer business that we recognized very quickly that it is an anomaly 
that most of the fertilizer used in the world is a standard fertilizer, is a standard multivitamin formula, if you like. And that necessarily, that is uh, almost never adapted to the, to the needs of the soil and the plant. So we said, why not customize fertilizers for the soil and the plant? Why not do precision fertilization? Okay. The technology uh, at the same time was there to do this. You know, uh, um, we use, we massively use AI, machine learning algorithms to reduce the cost of not only of producing, but also of deciding what type of fertilizer, getting information in real time from the soil, the plants, the local conditions that tell you exactly what the right formula is. And that desire to bring the right fertilizer because it is cheaper, it is more productive, and really can stop any environmental leakage or damage is the key driver of the new S-curve. So it is highly technology intensive. It is really digital plays a key role there. So industry 4.0, for example, is a key thing to be able to flexibilize our production system, to, to do mass customization, so to speak, but also be uh, attentive to the needs of the farmer, uh, etc. At the same time, we realized, again, we didn't have this mapped out before embarking on this. We realized that the, the most precious asset we have in this planet and is the most underestimated asset is the soils. Is these soils that feed us and realize that before they stop feeding us, we, we better feed these soils and take care of the soils, you know? And realized as we were exploring the role of fertilizers, the role of phosphate, how they strengthen the roots of the, 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 the plants, how they build or help the soil regenerate, uh, build its organic components, etc., that these soils can be, are massive sinks of CO2. So they not only play a role in, in, in feeding us, but they can play a, a very key role in sequestering carbon dioxide. Okay? And uh, amazingly, the more you take care of them, the more they they, they, their sequestration capability of CO2 is increased. It can be massive. We have estimates that the soils, if treated correctly, uh, can sequester twice the amount that we emit uh, every year on, uh, on the planet. Okay? And the most conservative ones say about 10% of what we emit can be sequestered in soils if we treat the soils correctly, if we, if we stop being unjust vis-à-vis -vis these soils. Uh, and that requires uh, the right vitamins for the soil. We have to treat the soils well. Thereby the green investment, which says the soils deserve the right fertilizer. And part of it is also this green nitrogen, because nitrogen is also contributes, if it's misused or overused, can contribute to green gas emission. NO2 is, is more potent uh, than, than CO2, for example. And then there's also a realization that uh, we could become more competitive by using renewable energy ourselves. 
instead of using fossil fuel-based energy. So the green, this new S-curve, is a combination of developing precision fertilization, taking care of the soils, replenishing the soils so they can ensure uh, food security, but also completely greening our production uh, at OCP that we intend to do in the next, before 2030, as I mentioned. To what extent is the fact that the Moroccan government owns 95% of the company, to what extent is this helping or making it more difficult to make this kind of incredibly uh, significant commitment and investment? It's key. I mean, uh, the, the fact that you can have a, uh, a long-term shareholder, the Moroccan government is not going to disappear uh, tomorrow. It's always thinking on you know, a long-term basis. So to have a patient investor, one that is looking at the, uh, not at the yearly PNL or the quarterly, even uh, uh, health of the company, but looking at the company as an asset for the country, the company in terms of the long-term value of the company is key. Having been enabled by our boards uh, to embark on long-term strategies is really key to us. And it's a competitive advantage uh, to have a, a very patient uh, investor. Having said that, you've also been very profitable over the last few years. So, so as a shareholder, they were rewarded. But I think the patients must have helped at various stages. It's the patients, but also the belief uh, initially uh, of course, we, 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 we made sure that they were quick wins, that uh, they could avail themselves of, look, I made the right decision uh, initially and it's paying off. But, 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 but you have to be courageous and having your eye on the long term to allow a company that has negative equity to embark on an $8 billion CapEx program. Now, as you know, Mustafa, I'm a leadership professor, and I cannot conclude this dialogue without asking you a few more personal questions, uh, if I may. One of them is, is, is inviting you to look back on the, the last kind of 17 years, I guess two years as Director General and 15 years as Chairman and CEO. Um, OCP is often described in Morocco as uh, almost as a state within a state. Uh, so it's been, it's been an extraordinary journey. When you look back on these 17 years, what stands out? What, what are some of the key moments or some of the key insights, some of the key decisions? You already mentioned one, and it's this meeting with this, with this blue collar who tells you, look carefully in front of you. There's a fork in the road. Choose wisely. Uh, are there other very significant moments or significant insights uh, that you would like to to share with us? Yes, there, there are several. But uh, as I think of them, there is a common thread, uh, which is the human side of things. You know, that, that first uh, episode you mentioned, uh, you recalled, is, is really that uh, gentleman telling me, you take care of us uh, is your primary uh, responsibility. You know, we, we are the, the, the wealth of the company. You know, when we embarked on the first transformation, uh, it was a, a very, um, for some, 
could be considered, I would say, a, a very aggressive transformation. And and usually, you you have resistance that comes from from unions when you're embarking on a trans transformation like this. You know, where are you going? Is this going to be downsizing or not, etc. We had to convince the the unions to do that. I you know initially I thought. Let me see how I can convince collaborators, especially on the blue-collar side of things, that our intention was was right here, or that they had to take the risk. And actually, they end up convincing me. I'll give you another episode that was at some point in time we had to 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 stop production because if you recall, in two thousand eight, there's the massive financial crisis. Markets disappeared. We decided we should uh, probably close down some of the production because we didn't have where to store, store the stock the, the the what we have produced, and we prepared for that. And amazingly, the managers of the production platform refused to shut down uh, production, and they, they they told me you have to convince the workers because they are ready to go on strike. They think that we, you're doing this to downsize uh, the workforce. And I talked to hundreds of people, and uh, and one of them was telling me, uh, you know, uh, I want to tell you what we think of what you're do, trying to do here. And he ba he basically said, uh, we think we should, we trust you, we think we should indeed close down production. If we need to do this strategically for six months, feel free to do it. We trust this is the right move for OCP. And he turned to me and said, and whoever is telling you differently is lying to you. He's basically telling me that the, 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 his boss is lying to me. And, and you can, can you imagine the strength people like this can give you in terms of the amount of trust they're putting in you and that you can put in, 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 in term into them? So it was almost a reverse situation. It's in leadership, as you know, Jean-François, they teach you you know, trust generates from the top down, and then if if the uh, if if you have a bottom up trust move, you you won. In this case, it was the opposite. The leadership was there, uh, and the, can you imagine how comforting it was? So the the major, what kept me going, and the learning uh, processes we put in place, etc., the movement is all due to this basic responsibility of reciprocating the trust that the younger generation and the blue-collar workers show you by, by willingly embarking on this change process and this transformation that are risky for them more than they are for the top management. But it sounds, Mustafa, like somehow you managed to get them to trust you, right? When he says, we trust you, Look, there are many organizations where top management is not trusted, right? And where there's, there's cynicism. So what I'm hearing is that one of the, one of the key aspects of this transformation was, was this, this, this ability that, that somehow you had to create this bond, this trust, that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm here for you, I'm here for OCP, and we're in this together. Yeah. So that, that trust that is usually, uh, as you know, considered the value in many companies would have a you know trust uh, as a value 
for us is a direct income of that core belief that I mentioned, the sincerity of intent. So if people think you are sincere, if you've managed to convince them that you are sincere, in Arabic we call it niya, niya means sincerity of intent, then the trust is, is an outgrowth of that, you know. So in initially what they do, and this, is, this was another episode, very interesting, it was my second visit to, to the mine. At one point, I was going to, 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 to go to, to, to literally to bed, to sleep on the mining site, and they said, we have one more activity for you. I said, at this time, this was 10 p.m. They said, yes, one more activity. You have to go down the shaft uh, for a couple of hours with us. The, the, this was an underground, a, an old underground mine that was no longer operating. We're mainly open pit mining today, but that they had kept open for one specific purpose. And it was to take the new CEO down the mine. So I went down, came out, and they said, now we know we can trust you. I said, why? He said, because you trusted us to go down this mine. Okay. Uh, and they said, laughingly, some of your predecessors didn't want to go. And this, 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 this was a key thing that uh, I think in terms of trust, a key moment. So these, these, these colleagues have a way to test sincerity and trust. And, uh, and that, I think this was also another key moment for, for building that al alchemy, so to speak. Wonderful. Now, your job is, is a very demanding one. Um, it's, it's, again, in, in Morocco, OCP is an incredibly visible company, and so there's enormous responsibilities uh, on you. Also, the criticality of the industry, as you said, you, you're dealing in the security of food supply, and, and that's very, very serious business in many, many countries. And so how do you manage all of this pressure? Are, are there some rituals, some routines, some practices that you've managed to internalize over the years or that you make sure you maintain in order to keep yourself compassionate and, uh, and open as, as we see you today? The, the answer is, again, uh, trust. Is, is trusting in people and... Uh, as, as I mentioned, we have, and really ma maintaining, re resisting uh, command and control is key because in a way, uh, command and control reflects lack of trust for many people. You know, before you explain that command and control is, a comm is necessary, is something that we all have to do and, uh, and rely on because etc. The initial, you have to recognize that the initial connotation, you know, it's McGregor's theory X and Y, right? That, um, that, that the initial uh, sentiment is this, this, this boss doesn't trust us, okay? So, uh, so always conveying uh, and being clear on the core beliefs. As I mentioned, one of them is, is, is Nia, which is the sincerity of intent. Not only that, but the belief of the strength and the force that comes out of this, that it beats everything. Sincerity, in other words, if you try something else, you're going to fail, okay? And that, that's really how uh, I consider my job as 
the keeper or the custodian of those core beliefs. And half of my job is keeping those core beliefs alive in the company. If we free up energies, uh, again, with this safe space of having a common purpose uh, and equipping pe people with the right skills, at, at least giving them the opportunity to get the right skills uh, aligned with that co common purpose, then your job is is much easier in a way. You're, you're just uh, maintaining this magnetic field, but you have to think of your, of your job as that and resist as much as one can. Sometimes you have to go to, 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 to command and control, etc. but you have to resist to always ask yourself, is there an alternative? That's maybe what has saved me over the next the past few years if you like that that obsession on uh, maintaining core beliefs within the company as you look back uh and this is my last question for you as you look back uh and and of course as as uh, as, as 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 there are also all these exciting challenges uh, ahead as you look back any regrets anything that you do differently uh, any regrets with respect to your own investing 17 years of your life and probably a few more in this transformation? The only regret is not having myself always being fully trusting of uh, that, that, that this greater force uh, is the solution to everything. So I have to confess, sometimes I manipulate in things, etc., and 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 after most of the time afterwards, I I regretted that uh, uh, you know getting the you know my hands into things I shouldn't have. So many things can happen without uh, without the boss, and and uh, sometimes the boss's job is to stay stay out of situations. And maybe sometimes I regret having been uh, too much hands on, so to speak, in terms of. Uh, regretting the 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 journey, no, it it's been amazing. I can tell you that I never thought, uh, even when we embarked, for example, on uh, being a fertilizer producer, I never thought that we would get into customized fertil fertilization, that we would use uh, digital so aggressively, that, uh, that you know the role of the soils uh, is something we discovered. Uh, so when you are on this explore, exploration and discovery, that's what keeps me go going. It, for me, it's not the same job. What I'm doing today is very different from what I was doing uh, four years ago. It also sounds like this has been in, in many ways, and I'm sure that there's also a personal life of yours, but professionally, this has been an extraordinary commitment and achievement for you. This is a magnificent legacy that you've been building. And it sounds like it's been very fulfilling for you. Uh, absolutely. And the, the fulfillment comes from uh, seeing colleagues uh, grow and have uh, and, and the spark in their eyes that, uh, uh, that, that, that you can see here and there. That's an, an amazing uh, fuel for life, if, so to speak. Mustafa, thank you very much for your time, for your insights. Best wishes of continued success. And of course, best wishes with this second wave of, uh, of the magnificent transformation of OCP. Uh, we, we do live in a world that will need to improve dramatically 
both the effectiveness, but also the environmental efficiency of, of how we grow food. And, and of course, OCP is very much part of the solution. So we thank you for this and we wish you all the best. Thank you very much, Jean-François, for the opportunity and the, and the friendship. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.